Uh, a couple months ago, Molly, my wife, and Lily, our daughter, we took a trip up to Copper Harbor. And I'm beginning to learn, as kind of a newbie to the UP, that there are certain structures that you just got to see when you take a, a vacation up here, since all of your vacation spots uh, are around Lake Superior, right? And these structures you got to see are the lighthouses. Now, they're all over the place up here. At almost any spot that you might choose to visit, if it touches Lake Superior, you're probably near a lighthouse. And i got to com- admit, they are pretty cool. Uh, but I'm catching on to this trend of seeing lighthouses when uh, you take visits and vacations up here because at Copper Harbor wasn't the first time that I've been brought to see a UP lighthouse. And my first time was actually uh, the East Channel Lighthouse over in Munising, where Molly is from. Uh, this one was constructed in 1868, uh, but ceased service in the early 1900s. Uh, though it does still look pretty cool, uh, preserved in its kind of rustic state. And so, of course, then, when we took this trip up to Copper Harbor, we had to see uh, the Copper Harbor Lighthouse. Uh, the lighthouse here is that, the original lighthouse, is that red-roofed building there. You can see the lighthouse kind of jutting up from it. And that was built in 1849 and actually aided ships uh, taking copper out from the Keweenaw Peninsula. Uh, at a time when the copper industry was just starting to boom in this area. Now, that tall skeletal structure just to the left of the Red Roof building, uh, that was built in 1933 and has since replaced the original lighthouse to help guide ships in that area today. There are a bunch more of these lighthouses up here in the Yoop. You got a Big Bay Lighthouse, the only one with a bed and breakfast. (laughs) <laughs> you got Whitefish Point Lighthouse. This is actually the lighthouse uh, that uh, uh, the Edmund Fitzgerald passed by, that fateful night that ship sunk. And uh, coincidentally, or maybe not, the light of that lighthouse was actually out that night the Edmund Fitzgerald passed by and sunk. And uh, the last one that I have to show you, uh, which I have yet to see but would love to see, is called uh, Rock of Ages Lighthouse. Now, this one is three miles west of Isle Royal, and as you can see from the aerial photo, it's an essential outpost for ships trying to navigate the deadly waters of Lake Superior. A rocky dangers lurk just beneath the surface, uh, threatening destruction to all those who are unaware of the danger. But these aren't merely sights to be seen. Uh, These aren't just relics of the past, reminders of how life used to be. No, these structures are vital today. The ships can't navigate these waters without the light from these lighthouses to guide them. And all of those lighthouses, except for the East Channel Lighthouse in Munising, all of the rest of the lighthouses are active lighthouses today. Not just a place for tours, but places that continue to guide vessels through the deadly waters of Lake Superior. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, we too have our own waters to navigate as we step out into our world 
each and every day. The world is a wavy place. And the Apostle Paul's world was a wavy place. Uh, Paul made mention of that last week in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. We talked about the waves of this world that can toss us to and fro. And this week in chapter 5 of Ephesians, Paul dives right into some of those waves, laying them out for his hearers, those Christians at the church in Ephesus, that they might be able to navigate their world. You see, Paul understood that as Christians, though we live in the world, we're not of the world, but we do live in the world. And so each day as those Christians in Ephesus would walk out into their world, they were going to have to make choices, choices as to how to live, But there were going to be forces at work. The wind and the waves of popular thought and cultural influence. In Ephesus, one of those forces at work was pagan worship. Uh, The temple of Artemis uh, stood in Ephesus. This is one of the seven wonders of the world. It was located there in this city of Ephesus that Paul is writing to. According to uh, Pausanias, he was a second-century Greek geographer and historian, Uh, Artemis was the most worshipped goddess in private devotion in the entire Mediterranean world. Artemis was the daughter of Zeus, the goddess of the hunt, and the goddess of women. Worship of Artemis was a fertility religion which meant that ritual prostitution would have played a major role in one's practice of this religion. In Ephesus, one of those, uh, another uh, facet of Ephesus was that it was one of the biggest cities of its day. It had an estimated population of over 200,000 people, rivaling even Rome itself, and was called the mother city of Asia being at the crossroads of some major trade routes. And with his access to the Aegean Sea, Ephesus gathered trade and travelers from all across the world. It was a land of prosperity. Now, this is one of the three main streets of Ephesus called Curetes Street, which you can still walk today. This street was lined with shops and homes for the rich, Strabo, another Greek historian from the second century, said of Ephesus, he said that it was the greatest emporium in the province of Asia Minor. Each day, as these Christians in Ephesus lived and worked in a world, they walked into a world shaped by these influences. A world where the masses were swept away by the waves of get rich or die trying, or the waves of the idolization of sex symbols, like ships in the night without a light, people foolishly went after such things and undoubtedly enticed others into the same treacherous waters with empty words. 
Empty words like, come on, it's no big deal. Empty words like, everyone does it. And you need to too if you want to get ahead in this world. Empty words blowing like the wind. And so Paul exhorts his hearers in Ephesus, saying, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And don't get swept away out there. Know what it is that you're walking into. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Expose the lies. Show others the danger and damage that these waves and what lies beneath them can cause. Show them the unfruitfulness of a life lived chasing after some idol that cannot give you true life, that cannot give you the true life that only God can give. But Paul's words for these Ephesians are not merely words to be heard and then forgotten. His words are not just relics from the past showing us what life used to be like. No, Paul's words are vital for us today. I mean, how different really is our world today compared to their world a couple thousand years ago? I mean, sure, we don't have a temple dedicated to worshiping a goddess of fertility, but yet the forces of sex and money still drive our world today too. Many are swept away by these things that promise to fulfill, but ultimately fail. They cannot deliver that fullness of life that we have in Christ alone. This section from Ephesians is still active today as it ever was. It's a word that can still guide us through the deadly waters of our world. Listening to Paul, then, we must ask ourselves, who are we imitating Are we being formed by our culture or by Christ? Are we chasing after wealth or after wisdom? That wisdom of God that reveals to us what true riches really are. Are we fleeing from sexual immorality? The Greek word actually used there is pornea. Or are we telling ourselves, everyone does it. It's no big deal. My friends, we must be the light in this world. We must expose the darkness around us and live lives of light. But how can we do that when we find it so hard to to navigate this world ourselves? How can we show light to others when it seems like the darkness is everywhere? Well, this is where our oneness in Christ kicks in. 
I haven't really talked much about that this morning, us being one in Christ, although that is the sermon series we're in. But this is why that matters so much. If we were abandoned to this world to navigate all of its reefs and rocks by our own efforts, we would be as good as the Edmund Fitzgerald. But there's a reason Paul's words for us today come in chapter 5 of Ephesians and not chapter 1. Paul, in the first three chapters of Ephesians, laid out our salvation, laid out how we were brought into the light by grace alone. It was all God's doing, not ours. We don't walk in the light in order to earn God's favor or His love or His forgiveness. That's given to us freely. But that changes us. Once you were darkness, but not any longer. You are light. Darkness is no longer your identity. It is no longer who you are. You are light. That's right. You are a light in this world. Even if you're thinking, Pastor Kevin, you don't really know me all that well. I promise you I'm not that shiny. I'm telling you, you are light. How? Well, it's kind of like a lighthouse. You see, lighthouses back in the day, when they were built, they were not lit with LED lights that shone out. Instead, a a fire was actually built inside of the lighthouse. And the light from that fire would shoot up and be reflected from a mirror out so that the ship's Traveling in those waters, when they saw the lighthouse, they actually saw that reflection of light. That's what would guide them. Not the fire itself, though of course that's what was the source of the light, but those who needed to see the light saw it first through its reflection. You are that light in this world. You are a lighthouse. You've been illuminated in your baptism. You know, that's what they used to call it, illumination. In the second century, there was a Christian named Justin Martyr who said this, that this washing, baptism, is called illumination because those who learn these things are illuminated in their understandings. You have been illuminated in your baptism. The source of light, Jesus Christ, is living within you. And you are able to shine into this world because of the wisdom that you have been given by your faith. You are able to shine into this world by that word of God that continues to guide you, that word of God which is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. You are able to shine into this world by His Holy Spirit, given to you in your baptism, and who still speaks to you today. His Holy Spirit will help you navigate all the murkiness of this world. 
We must listen to Him and learn from Him and live not by those empty words that would seek to run us aground, but by that Word of God, that living Word, which we meditate on in this hour, but who seeks to join us every single day, who desires to light our paths in His wisdom and who makes Himself available to us in word and in sacrament. So go. Go as a lighthouse into your world built upon the rock of ages. Go. Shine the truth on this world in love. Expose the lies and discern what is pleasing to the Lord. You have His Word. You have His light. Start each day in remembrance of who you are by virtue of your baptism. And hear your God, your Father, speak to you each day you rise. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, for Christ will shine on you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Father, we pray to you now. We lift up our lives to you, asking that you would shine through us. Guide us by your light as we seek to navigate our world. Help us to filter the information we read, that we see in TV and news and in conversation through the lens of your gospel, knowing whose hands we are in. And we ask you, Father, that you would use us to help lighten this world for others, to see the goodness that you've brought us into, the, the fullness of life that you've given us in Christ. Be our light and be our life. In Jesus' name.